0: Hola, and welcome to Latino Book Chat. I am your host, Christian Meneses Jacobs. We invite you to participate in our conversations with Latino authors, illustrators, and others who share their insights into the book publishing industry. Welcome to Latino Book Chat, a conversation with bilingual children author Holly Ayala. Holly Ayala was born in San Francisco from Salvadorian parents. She's a community organizer, advocate, and promoter of Salvadorian culture. To that end, her publishing house, Luna's Press, has published Olitan Manula*, The Big Birthday by Jorge Argueta, about a beloved elephant that lived at El Salvador Zoo for over 50 years. Telegrams to Heaven by René Colato Lainez, about the childhood of Archbishop Oscar Arnulfo Romero. And ABC El Salvador by Holly Ayala, which celebrates the history, geography, culture, and traditions of El Salvador. Latino Book Chat welcomes Holly Ayala. Thank you for chatting with us today. You are the co-owner of Luna's Press Book. What inspired you to become part of the publishing industry?
1: Well, actually, um, there's a couple of things. Um, I've been working in the catalog production industry for over 25 years. Um, and I, I love that. It, I love the uh, print production aspect of producing books. And with that, um, traveling to El Salvador every year and eventually, uh, co well, not co-founding, but participating in a children's poetry festival every year over there with Jorge Argueta, Rene Colato, Argeta, Manlio Argueta, um, and other people uh, just inspired me to, um, you know, when I saw all the books that were being donated and all the books the authors were bringing to share with the kids, it uh, just inspired me to start um, creating books for the Salvadorian children.
0: Yeah, and Luna Brex has published its third book and your first bilingual picture book, ABC El Salvador. You know, there are many ABC books in the market. What, what do you think makes your book different? Um, Yeah, it's definitely
1: different because um, the ABC book um, is based off of Spanish words and Salvadorian words. So some words that are specifically only to El Salvador or maybe to a few Central American countries. For instance, um, C is for cipotes. So cipotes in El Salvador is used for um, children or kids. And that's not in all countries, all Latin American countries. Um, but so we just wanted, I wanted to see uh, the Salvadorian children primarily see themselves reflected in this alphabet, but at the same time be able to share it with um, children from all over the world so they can learn about our country.
0: Yeah, and I love the cover of your book. I love that it is tactile with the race and bus letters, they're very different and unique. Can you tell us about the choice of the graphics for the ABC letters?
1: Yeah. Um, so those a- the ABC letters were um, inspired by block letters that are very um, there's common in El Salvador. It's part of um, our artesanía or our craft that is um, specific to El Salvador, and it it was developed by a man named Fernando Yort from Chalatenango, and uh, after he passed away, uh, he, he had taught many people. Um, his style of painting. And a lot of artisans in El Salvador use this style to make uh, this, the block letters, numbers, um, little boxes, uh, everything for like pa- paper, napkin holders, um, tons of things. So so it's kind of, you see this and you, you just know it's from El Salvador. And um, the reason why we did it in the relief form was because we wanted to mimic the block letters that so many Salvadorians buy when they go to
0: El Salvador. Yes, they're they're differently. They're similar to some that we have in Nicaragua as well. It must be some kind of indigenous uh, tradition, probably, because we we kind of share in El Salvador and Nicaragua share some uh, indigenous traditions as well. Yeah, that is really true. Beautiful. Yeah. So you were born in San Francisco, California, y'all, uh, Holly, but your parents are from El Salvador. And, you know, yes. I know that for my daughters, you know, as first generation Americans, their exposure to Nicaraguan culture is very limited. What, what Salvadorian traditions did your parents pass on to you?
1: Um, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, and maybe it was different when I was born here because the population was less, you know, there were less Latino immigrants. So I don't know. We kind of were really, um, we got our traditions and stuff from our family all the time. Oh, maybe not. I don't know if it's the same. That's a good question. I'd like to kind of figure that one out. But uh, for me particular was just being around uh, my mom and dad's friends, I guess their social circle because you know my dad's friend um Ninayida she's the one who made the most delicious quesadilla and I mention her in the book. Um, mm-hmm. and then his other friends were soccer players all you know new new immigrants and so you know I would go with my dad to the soccer games and then they'd have the cumbia music playing um so yeah it was um doses I would say and coming from my mother too um but mostly my father but my mother more um, more the politics and the history. She's an avid reader, uh, so she would uh, she would be more into like the uh, history of Osama Salvador, which she shared with us when we were little.
0: Yeah, and I know that in the book, uh, the letter L is for loroco and the letter P is for pupusas. They are absolutely delicious together. Did you learn <laughs> to make some of that with your mom?
1: No, <laughs> my actually, my mom really didn't cook that much and neither did my dad, mm-hmm. but um, we just had a, a lot of friends and maybe it was at Niña Ida. Well, my mom knows how to make the most delicious uh, pan con pavo. She's mm-hmm. got the secret recipe for the sauce. So I have to give her credit for that one. <laughs> but the pupusas are kind of hard to make. Uh, my brother tried once when he was a teenager, um, but no, we just always went to the restaurants. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is always good, right? I, there are several mm-hmm. restaurants here uh, in Phoenix. Uh, there are two that we usually go to because there are no Nicaraguan restaurants around here. And mm-hmm. when I feel like eating something similar to Nicaraguan food, so we go to the Salvadorian restaurant and I just love it. You know, mm-hmm. it's the most delicious food. Yeah. We also go to the Cuban restaurant as well because that's also similar to our food.
1: That's right. The beans, so the platanos.
0: mm-hmm, Las platanos, yes. Definitely. Mm. Were there a lot of Salvadorian kids when you were growing up or not really? Uh,
1: not really. Um, I grew up in the Mission in San Francisco, it's the Latino neighborhood, but at the time uh, there were some Salvadorians, more Mexican, um, Nicaragüenses, Filipino, uh, African American, so it was Asian. It was very mixed. Mm -hmm. And and I'm so thankful for that because all my friends growing up were just, you know, we didn't even talk about where they were from. We were just friends and we just had fun. and It was just normal. Do you still have family in El Salvador? I do. And I think that's what makes my connection to El Salvador even stronger because I like, since the 80s, I would go back every year or every two years, um, because, you know, I was in my 20s then and I connected with all my other cousins that were around the same age. Um, that made me go back to El Salvador all the time and learn more about everything, the music, politics, everything. Um, yeah, so I became very close to them. So even today, I have that close relationship to them, which, which makes me
0: want to visit all the time. Yeah, I understand that you visited for the first time in in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So we probably were there around the same time because my family visited some friends in El Salvador right before the Civil War. And I remember thinking that San Salvador, the capital, was such a beautiful city. You know, I was very impressed by the tall buildings, the parks, and the people were so friendly. And, of course, Mm -hmm. that's the time when I fell in love with the pupusas, you know, oh, my God. Mm -hmm yeah what struck you about the country that first time you went you during your first visit
1: oh i think it was yes the beauty for sure the lush the heat the beaches the warm the warm water in the ocean um the pupusas were a little different they were really tasty they were smaller than how they make them here So people would be like, "Oh, I'm I I want eight pupusas." What? <laughs> eight? But <laughs> but they were they were smaller. Um, but also just being introduced to music, I think, um, I, music that I was not aware of, like Mercedes Sosa, um, Luna Trova. All my cousins were musicians, and they were just playing music from Latin America that I didn't even know about. <laughs> so
0: yeah. Yeah, it's a really beautiful country. And um do you think things are changing now with the new president and
1: the civil uh, war is over? I I really can't say because I haven't been there since COVID. So it's mm-hmm. been two years. And the president's been um in a president for I think he's on his third year. So I can't really say, you know, <laughs> that's such a deep a deep uh conversation because you know now there was now there's three governments that have been recently in power so yeah. and there are three different so i think i would have to go and really talk to people and find out what they think yeah specifically but i know that everything is expensive like the economy is not doing that great like um you know the basics are very expensive right now for people
0: yeah like people never get a break right
1: Right. And because they're on the dollar, you know, they're still not making they're still kind of making, I don't know, five dollars is the minimum wage for the day. And milk costs four dollars or five dollars. You know, it's like that doesn't make sense. No, still.
0: that's amazing. Yeah. And I know, you know, your connection, like you mentioned, and you have produced literacy festivals in El Salvador and San Francisco through the Talleres de Poesia. Well, now yes. that there are some restrictions due to COVID have been lifted, do you plan to hold more festivals?
1: Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, so tell us know, about that. Well, we had the um, El Festival Internacional Infantil Manjula uh, virtually. Um, it was supposed to be every year, right? But we missed this last year. But the year prior was virtual. But hopefully this year, if things are better. We can go back in November to continue it's it'll be our i think 11th or 12th year um yeah so definitely we're slowly but surely but it's it's going slow just to kind of be sure that this is really
0: it's safe to do eventually do you plan to expand to other cities uh, the festivals yeah
1: um i don't think so i think it's just gonna it's just well in el salvador sometimes we go to other cities but Um, Here in the United States, probably if we do San Francisco, it's just San Francisco. Yeah, it just takes up too much time.
0: Yeah, it's a very, very long (laughs) process to put together a festival. Yeah. You are very involved with working to benefit the lives of children in El Salvador. And I wanted to know more about your idea. Uh, What is the idea behind the Library of Dreams project? And how did it come about?
1: Uh, The Library of Dreams project was more of a Jorge Argueta brainchild. Um, It was just his idea to bring libraries or a library to to different places, especially like his hometown and also the area where we stay in San Jacinto, San Salvador. Because at the time, I think this was maybe six years ago, there was only one library, which is the, the national library, but it was like this big building. Um, People would go to it, but the culture of going to the library was not there. And so he wanted the people, the children won't come to that big library. So his idea was more like bring the library to the children. So the library of dreams um, started in San Jacinto um, in a structure, but then, uh, we would bring it to a school and we created like a mini library in the school. Now, some schools don't have libraries. Um, a lot of them don't. And then we would also bring the mobile library to a mercado. And so that was every Saturday there would be a market, um, but all the kids that were running around usually or helping to sell their helping their parents sell things would instead come to the mobile library. That was a great project. And then um, the one in Santo Domingo, de Guzmán, which was actually another structure, but um, but because of COVID, things also have changed. So um, things are kind of being uh, figured out again to get them up and going.
0: How many libraries have been built then?
1: There were two built, mm-hmm. and and uh, and then the two, the one in the school, and then the mobile, but. You know, this new president, it sounds like, well, they're redoing the main library. They are knocking it down and they have an investment from China. It's going to be like a huge, brand new library. And I'm sure they're going to have a good children's section. And it sounds like they're starting to print books. I mean, the thing about the new government is that uh, I think there's younger people now in, in positions where they're just kind of thinking a little bit more forward uh, so they actually started uh, printing more books, uh, textbooks, you know, just before like the printer, the government printing company, the DPE, I think was a little, I don't know what the word is, but um, not that proactive. But now they are very more proactive with publishing, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think that probably the the new the, you're right, the new government, the people that are in power right now are younger and um, mm-hmm. for what I've read, more educated as well. And they really care about the people becoming more educated as well. Y-
1: yeah. I hope I hope so. I hope so. I, hope so. <laughs> I mean,
0: I know yeah. in certain areas, but they really
1: have to get to all areas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going back to your book. Um, how has been the response from the children, the Salvadorian children that live here in the U.S., in San Francisco? Uh,
1: They love it. Um, They laugh when they go through the book with their parents. And I actually was able to do a presentation on Friday at a school. Um, It is a school for newcomers. This school is like a transition school. Children that are coming from Latin America go to the school for a year and they prepare them. To enter a regular school. Um, so I, was, I presented the book to first and second graders, and there were kids from Venezuela, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico. And the beautiful thing was that I thought I was, you know, it's an ABC book. I thought I was going to finish it in 10 minutes. And then, but, you know, I was hoping that they were going to have it, I was going to have interaction with them. But we had spent 45 minutes on the whole book because all the children wanted to, they all connected to all of the the things that we were talking about. For instance, like, um, you know, when we talk about like a wakal, you know, what can mm-hmm. you put in a, a what can you put in a wakal? What do you use a wakal for? And they all wanted to answer. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so cute well, you know, tortillas or awa you know, masa, ropa. But I had to go through all of them. And it was really cute because, well, it goes to show that we're all the same, you know. Oh, the, the cutest one was when I said, uh, we're talking about barro and the pots and the pans and the flat pans, comal. Mm-hmm. And, and I asked them, what would you make on a comal? And then, you know, first thing, tortillas. And then right away, the girl from Venezuela says, arepitas. Oh. <laughs> I never even thought about arepitas, you know, yeah, of course, you know, it's just like. But they're just things that are used in all of Latin America. That so is they right. all connect.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and not just children, because I connected to your book, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even adults <laughs> like me um, find a connection, too.
1: You know, mm-hmm. especially
0: on the, the letter G for Garrobo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they come up every morning and, uh, and also around noontime to bathe themselves. You know, they want to get, and they look up at the sun and they get all warm. So I remember seeing all the garrobas outside in my backyard and everywhere.
1: Oh. Wow.
0: <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and drinking some pinolillo or pozole in the huacal.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so
0: it, it brought oh. some really nice memories you know to for me you know I I I was really reminding me of my childhood back in oh. Nicaragua
1: oh it's so nice yeah and the marimba I know the Nicaragua they love the marimba too.
0: Of, oh my god and yes the marimba definitely you know that's mm-hmm. like the most important music you know around and yeah. it's so, tra- so traditional uh from our part of the you know the continent. Right. But yeah, so, you know, not just children, it also adults like me, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> find a connection with your book.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: <laughs> so it's really nice,
1: you know. So with yeah. the success
0: of this first book, are you working on, on another project or a next book?
1: Yes. Um, well, I definitely am going to do one, two, three, El Salvador.
0: Mm. Just
1: the numbers book. Um, and then we have a couple of other books, um, Salvadorian-themed, um, in, the, in the works right now. Yeah,
0: so, Is Lu- yeah. Luna's Press, you know, book only uh, emphasizing, you know, um, Salvadorian culture in their books? Yes.
1: I, right now, yes, because we're so small. We don't have, um, you know, we have to, like, focus our time into into what's our passion until we have that capacity to take other manuscripts from like all all you know all themes all countries but at the moment since we're so small we have to really work with people we know um also like we work with authors that we know illustrators that we know because they can be flexible with us because we're pretty small you know we're not harper collins or yeah you know (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah so but you'll get there one day I hope so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like we're not even you know we don't even have a big distribution we're with Lectorum and with Broad Art which we love and are thankful for but our books are not in Ingram because we're too small but we're working on it we're working on trying to get into with the bigger distributor
0: yeah and I understand you have a physical store too right Yes, so we have a physical store um, over
1: here on Mission Street in San Francisco, 3790 Mission, and we open on Sundays only from three, from 11 to 3.
0: Oh, Okay. And Holly, do you have any advice for authors uh, that are independent, that cannot get published by the big publishing houses? What advice would you give them?
1: I would say, um, you know, because there's so many things that you can look at. Like, what do you want? Do you just you want your book published? Do you want your book out there to be, you know, do you want to share it with people, regardless of financial gain? Because what the pu- the big publishers, what you get there is well, they're marketing, so you get a bigger financial gain, right? And but if you can't wait to get published by a big publisher because it's really hard you can self-publish and then you know it's just with the internet now you just do your own marketing i mean instagram for us has worked wonderful and we've only been on it for one year i've gotten a lot of uh, connections and um and sales so i would say you try with bigger publishers but then if you know don't ever get frustrated You know, because the the last thing you can do is just self publish it and still get the book out in the hands of the people you want your book to be in. But also, you have to do your part in like going and selling, going to conferences, going to schools. um, And just, I think right now there's a lot of a big support system among self published people. That's what I've been noticing on Instagram. A lot of uh, people that are self publishing or even on our Amazon. Um, and you know, there's new stores that are opening too, which is like in in Los Angeles, there's Miha books, um, and where else? Miha books, and there's like the book boxes, you know, so you can always contact those people to carry your books. you know, you I can't say how much you're gonna make, you know, it's all everybody's different, but um, it's just possible to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited that you guys have been having you know success little by little you know but you guys have been put a lot of work and effort into this project thank you yeah well Holly ayala thank you so much for chatting with us today on latino book chat
1: thank you for inviting me christian
0: yes thank you so much to buy a copy of abc el salvador and other books by lunas press book please visit lunaspressbooks.weebly.com hasta la próxima Thank you for joining us today. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at latinobookchat.com. Please subscribe on your favorite platform. Whatever you're listening to us today, please give us a positive review and as many stars as possible. Sharing the show will help it grow and continue to come to you. Thank you for your support. Hasta pronto. Latino BookChat is a production of Nicaragua Media. Today's episode was hosted, produced, and edited by Christian Meneses Jacobs.